Hi, I'm Shashank Bhargav and you're listening to Three Things, the Indian Express news show. In this episode, we talk about the outbreak of bird flu in the country and why it has people worried. We also take a quick look at the number of active COVID-19 cases falling in cities. But first, we talk about the farmer protests. It has now been over a month since farmers from Punjab and Haryana have been protesting at the borders of Delhi and Haryana. They want the three new farm laws repealed and fear that the laws would leave them at the mercy of big private players and that they would eventually get lower prices for their crops. But now, apart from these farmers who are sitting at the Delhi-Haryana border, farmers from Uttar Pradesh have also started protesting at the Delhi and UP border. These are sugarcane farmers, and their concerns are different from those of the Punjab and Haryana farmers who largely grow wheat and paddy. In this segment, we talk to Harish Damodran, Indian Express's rural affairs editor, about the reasons why they are protesting and why their concerns are different. See, the farmers who are protesting at Tikri and Singhu border, which is basically North Delhi, are mostly from Punjab and Haryana. And their concern is something in the future. They fear that the government will stop uh, MSP procurement of wheat and paddy. Okay, so it is addressing a fear of the future. They fear that the mandis will shut down and government will stop buying. So their focus is precisely on the three farm laws, especially the one which deals with, uh, you know, bypassing the mandis, allowing trade to happen outside the, the regulated APMC mandis. Now, what we are seeing on the eastern border of Delhi, which is basically Ghazipur, I think till about maybe two weeks back, there were probably maybe a couple of thousand farmers at most. Okay, But now you are seeing more and more farmers coming in from that side, basically Western UP, the Tarai, that belt. And I would say 90% of the protesters today at Ghazipur are sugarcane farmers. You know, They are not paddy and wheat farmers. Yes, they grow wheat, but their main crop is sugarcane. And Hari says that when it comes to sugarcane, the problem is not about the future. It is about the present, the current unpaid sugarcane dues. The way it works is that sugar mills buy sugarcane from farmers, which they crush to make sugar. And Hari says that these farmers who are protesting had supplied sugarcane to the mills last sugar season. Which would have basically ended last May, June. The mills would have stopped crushing after May, June, in the last season. And uh, many of them are yet to get payments for the cane that they delivered in the last season. Okay, And in the meanwhile, the new season has started, the new crushing season, which normally starts from around the end October onwards. Okay, So this is a current and a real problem. The other one, the three laws is some kind of, I mean, I, I won't call it an imagined problem, but it has more to do with fear and uncertainty. Okay, this one is not to do with fear and uncertainty. It is something which is current and real. Harish also points out the differences between farmers when they grow wheat and paddy versus when they grow sugarcane. And the first big difference is the price that one gets for sugarcane. In wheat, paddy and other crops, the government declares an MSP, a minimum support price, which has no legal basis. There is no statutory backing for wheat and uh, paddy procurement. Okay, government uh, does the procurement as a matter of routine, you know, it's an administrative uh, decision. 
okay but in the case of sugarcane sugarcane has something called a frp which is a fair and remunerative price and in the case of state governments like uttar pradesh it's called a state advice price now this the cane price is statutory payment you know mills are supposed to pay farmers within 14 days after the farmer has delivered his cane at the factory and this is legal you know so you can say that the sap that is the state advice price that the sugarcane price is a super msp it's not just an msp but mills are legally bound to pay it so the fact is mills haven't paid it and the amount that is due to the sugarcane farmers is significant from the estimates which we have see last year uh, i think sugar mills in up bought cane worth about i think around uh, more than 33000 crore and they are yet to pay around 2400 crore which is last year and mind you the crushing got over by early june normally the sugar season runs from something like uh, say end october and they continue till around may and by then the cane is over so we are assuming that the last farmer would have supplied his cane in say may or early june and he's yet to get payment for that and in the meanwhile the new season has started and most mills i think this time in up started operations that is they started crushing from end october so now we are you know end october november there is hardly any payment uh, taking place the other important thing that harish points out is that while the payments are pending from the last season and it has been 2 months since the new season has started the up government however has still not announced the new sugarcane prices these prices like harish mentioned are sap the fair and remunerative prices that mills are supposed to pay farmers so i saw the purchase of most farmers you know and it says 00 and it says 0 because the price is 0 because the up government has not announced the price yet and once you announce the price it becomes statutory the mills have to pay it within 14 days you know and that is by law see all the farm unions are saying that we want msp to be made a legal right etc here in the case of sugarcane what is amusing is it's already a legal right but still it is not being paid and mind you up is going to have panchayat elections in march and uh, i think there was only one year prior to this i think that that was in 2016 when the then akhilesh yadav government announced the sap only in january i think around january 16 and uh, uh, january 18th yeah if i remember right was january 18th was when the akhilesh yadav government announced it in 2016 otherwise normally they announce by december so that the farmer has some certainty but now they haven't announced so far and probably the yogi adityanath government is uh, afraid of announcing it because uh, if the increase is not significant that could add further fuel to the fire so my feeling is uh, sugarcane is going to be a very uh, hot issue in the coming days you know so right now like mentioned the sugar mills owe money to the farmers money they are legally bound to pay but harish also says that the reason mills haven't been able to pay is because they themselves have been struggling because ultimately the cane price is linked to what the mill is realizing on its sugar right and actually sugar prices haven't been very good so mills are struggling to pay i mean it's all easy to say that this is by law and you better pay so i think the government is just trying to look the other way but if you make a law it is supposed to be enforced and the farmers are asking you know what is this i mean you are saying that this is by law we are supposed to get it within 14 days but why aren't we getting it and so far sugarcane has not come into prominence but my feeling is that uh, you know 
I think Gazipur is the site to be watched more closely in the coming days than probably Singhu and Tikri. This is my feeling. And I think the lines have grown quite substantially. I think the fastest growth in the number of farmers is coming more that side. And probably now the farmers will have more time because in UP, the farmers normally sow wheat after harvesting their return cane. And that is normally towards end September, etc. So now the farmers are also free. So the UP farmers are also free. Just like the Punjab farmer got free after November 15th, you know, after he had sown his wheat and given one round of irrigation. So now the UP farmer is also sort of free. This is why he says more sugarcane farmers are likely to join the protests. So my feeling is uh, if the sugarcane issue also starts coming up, you know, then we could see a much more potent kind of a combination. If the anger of sugarcane farmers combines with the whatever concerns of the wheat farmers and wheat and paddy farmers of uh, Punjab and Haryana, then it's going to be a very potent combination, you know, which will complicate the entire situation because this is something current and real. Plus, Harish says that the UP sugarcane farmers do sympathize with the concerns of the wheat and paddy farmers of Punjab and Haryana, even though their own situation might be different. And probably also because see, most of the people who are protesting are Jats, you know. So I think there is a sort of a brotherhood feeling, especially among Jats of Western UP. So it is like that. But at some point, uh, I think these farmers are going to say, hey, man, even I am not getting paid. These farmers are asking for legal backing for MSP. In my crop, there is legal backing, but still I am not being paid. And my price has not been raised since 2017-18. You know, since 2017-18, I have been getting the same price. And even that price, I am not being paid by the mills. So if my price has not gone up, and in the meanwhile, you know, the prices of my inputs, especially diesel, electricity, everything has gone up. So what is this? So at some point, I'm sure even these farmers are going to ask these questions. Imagine farmers not having received any money since uh, last May. It's huge. I mean, it's a real problem which uh, farmers are today facing, especially the farmers who are growing uh, sugarcane, you know. Dear listeners, sorry for this interruption. But before we move on to the rest of the show, I just wanted your quick attention. One of the big reasons people say they like this show is because it helps them understand the news better. It provides them with the context they need to see the bigger picture. And there is perhaps no other place that does that better than Indian Express's explained section. We on three things refer to the section regularly and it helps us make this show. If you're a regular reader of Indian Express, you know how useful the explained section can be, especially when you're looking for in-depth analysis by the right experts. You can log on to indianexpress.com slash explained and access the coverage 24-7. Explained by Indian Express, where news that matters is explained by experts who know the subject. Now, back to the show. And next, we talk about bird flu. Now, even as the coronavirus pandemic continues to worry people, for the past few days, there has been talk and concern about a different virus as well. And that is the avian influenza, also called bird flu. A highly contagious viral disease which generally affects poultry birds such as chickens and turkeys and migratory birds like ducks and geese. In India right now, bird flu has been reported among wild geese in Himachal Pradesh, crows in Rajasthan and Madhya Pradesh and ducks in Kerala. Plus in Haryana, around 1 lakh poultry birds have also died mysteriously in the last few days. 
But this isn't the first time something like this has happened. India has seen several such outbreaks before. In this segment, we speak to Partha Sarthi Biswas, who has reported on the bird flu several times in the past about the way it affects birds, how it spreads, and how concerned should humans be about it. He starts by explaining what exactly bird flu is. So if you look into the website of WHO, it will direct you to the OIE's website. That is an organization which is working solely for zoonotic viruses and it is working for animal health. So if you look at the OIE's website from Jan 2014 to November 2016, avian influenza has been identified in 77 countries and 13 strains has been detected. Uh, avian influenza is uh, is an influenza, it's a flu, the, and it is caused by a virus. The virus has various strains like H5N1, H5N2, H5N8, H7N8, etc. It is fairly common in the world. It was first diagnosed in Hong Kong, and then it re-emerged in 2003-2004, and then it has spread across the globe. Parthasati points out that in India, the first cases of the avian influenza were reported in North Maharashtra back in 2006. It was a very new disease and we didn't know much about it. And the scare that is there that this virus will jump onto the human beings. It mainly affects the birds, as the name suggests. But being a zoonotic virus, it can jump onto human beings, which can cause a lot of uh, fatality. There has been rare cases of poultry workers contracting them while handling animal carcass and other things, but a large-scale and widespread jumping onto humans has not been reported. This kind of virus only gets transmitted to humans when they come in close contact with infected birds or highly contaminated environments. This is why poultry workers have been infected in the past. And even though it rarely infects humans, the virus is severe and deadly. According to some reports, around 6 out of 10 confirmed cases in humans have led to deaths. Though the actual mortality rate might be much, much lower because asymptomatic cases don't get reported that much. In India, it is fairly common during the winter months and uh, the cases are reported mostly in migratory birds. These birds which travel from Siberia, which travel from other cold regions, they travel a long distance and uh, where they stop for rest, they stop for feed and water. And at times they, they, they do pick up the virus. Once they come to India for their winter stay, the virus then manifests and there are large-scale deaths reported in migratory birds that is happening now. And in case these migratory birds interact with the local population, then the local birds also die. So you have the crows dying in Rajasthan, the gander and geese dying in Kerala, and migratory birds and ducks dying in Himachal Pradesh. Now the reason why people are especially concerned now is that this is happening during the COVID-19 pandemic. And their concerns are understandable. Now, we have to understand that COVID also started as a virus in the animals. The uh, story goes like that it appeared in the wet market in Wuhan, in Hubei's province, from where these exotic meats like pangolin and others had this virus, which jumped onto humans, mutated, and then it has assumed this, has given rise to this pandemic, which is still raging large, although the vaccine is there. But even as we speak, large parts of Europe is undergoing strict lockdowns. India, touch wood, the situation is better, but then government is cautioning us and uh, repeatedly talking about 
taking precautions and other things. So what causes the concern is that the avian influenza virus, that is the H5 or H7 strain, can jump into humans, can mutate, and then it can cause a large-scale pandemic. The flu viruses in particular are more prone to mutation. If viruses like these mutate, they become easily transmissible from person to person. They can do that by altering their shape to grab human cells much more effectively. In fact, all known strains of flu, including seasonal flu and the pandemic flu, have jumped from birds to humans in this way. This is why now that this disease is spreading in birds, the government is trying to curtail its spread. And the way it does that is by culling the infected birds. When in 2006 it appeared in Maharashtra, there was large-scale culling of poultry birds. Now, the fear was that the virus would jump to humans from the poultry birds. And that's why there was large-scale culling. And those birds were either burnt or buried deep into the ground. You have to destroy the carcass. And uh, there are two ways of doing it. One is to either you burn it or the other way is to bury it. Some officials are now claiming that tens of thousands of poultry will be slaughtered because of the current outbreak. Parthasarthi says that as of now, the government has also issued a red alert in states where the spread is taking place. So in Himachal Pradesh, it is carrying out surveillance amongst the dead bodies of the birds, the carcass they have discovered. It, the same thing is happening in Kerala, same thing is happening in Rajasthan. In states which have not reported this uh, disease, they have also been put on high alert. So for example, in Maharashtra, Karnataka, Andhra Pradesh, these are the major poultry states. So animal husbandry commissioners of these states have also pressed the red alert and have asked the poultry farmers, their field level officers to visit the poultry to understand what the situation is. The fear is that it will come into commercial poultry. If it comes into commercial poultry, then it will be very easy for the virus to jump onto human beings. To give you an example, on a monthly basis, India consumes around 30 crore chicken. And um, a state like Maharashtra consumes 3 to 3.5 crore broiler birds. So imagine if this gets into the organized sector, if the virus gets into the organized sector, then the amount of havoc that it can create. He says that both the central and the state government are taking extra care right now. Any death or sudden rise in mortality in the poultry has been asked to be reported. Plus, poultry farmers have also been asked to ensure the highest biosafety in their establishments. But these farmers are worried. One, because they don't want the bird flu to spread to commercial poultry. And second, because they're worried about prices dropping. In the first case, they have to ensure that poultry operations are isolated. They have to create a zone of biosafety around their farms, which would ensure that these birds, the commercially reared poultry birds, do not come in contact with anything which is foreign. So there would be a restriction on the movement of the people who would be allowed to come into these coops. And they would be given scientifically validated feed and uh, supplements so that they don't go foraging or pick up things which are not right their chances of exposure should be minimized. The second concern, the second and the most serious concern is that the price risk. Now the concern of the poultry industry is that as the news about the spread of the bird flu spreads, they might face a lot of price backlash. Last year, during the month of Jan, Feb, March, the poultry industry had reported losses to the tune of $1 billion. That was because of unsubstantiated social media 
the messages which had linked the covid pandemic to poultry people all of a sudden had stopped eating eggs and chicken and then the market ready birds had to be culled by the farms because there was no ways they could rear them the market has completely stopped he says that although the market afterwards has recovered the production is still not at the level it was before it's around 70% of the previous years so there is a supply demand mismatch which is uh, fueling up the prices and also during the pandemic the medical uh, profession had stressed on the need of having protein in form of either eggs or chicken and then as news started coming in of covid patients being given two eggs per day at uh, covid care centers people started consuming eggs the government of india and the state governments they undertook a major drive to dispel the myths about covid and poultry and somehow situation has stabilized now at this moment they are making profit but the greatest fear they have is that people would again stop consuming eggs and chicken in fear of bird flu just to be clear there is no evidence that bird flu can spread to people through properly prepared and cooked poultry food the virus is sensitive to heat and dies in cooking temperatures now the interesting part of this story is that uh, till date organized poultry has not reported any cases of avian influenza or bird flu all the reports in india has come from unorganized that is the backyard poultry or the migratory birds or or some exotic lot so in case you know, what the poultry farms are pointing out is that you are completely safe because these birds are reared in a bio safety zone with movement of people and material being minimal and given the covid pandemic people are not moving as much as they used to so they have noticed a drop in their mortality rate uh, previously around 5% of the birds that were placed with the farmers used to die of natural causes but now they are reporting only 3% mortality they are saying that because of the pandemic the farmers are extra careful of who they are allowing in their farms what they are feeding their birds so the biosafety measures are already in place that's why he says they are confident that the bird flu will not affect the organized poultry sector Maharashtra last one year they have not seen any single death due to the avian influenza virus amongst the organized players and the organized poultry farms are insisting that they are quite safe and they are taking all the precautions what they are fearing is that in case another setback gets into their business in case people stop consuming chicken and eggs then there might not be feasible for them to continue with their business also this news is coming in winter when traditionally the consumption of eggs increases traditionally the consumption of chicken increases because people require more protein to tide over the cold and with a supply demand mismatch the prices were quite good but in case this bird flu the scare gets into the general public they might stop consuming protein and that would have a detrimental effect into their business and in the end we talk about india's covid-19 cases which in many places seem to be falling all the major urban centers which were the epicenters of the coronavirus pandemic in the country like pune mumbai bangalore and chennai are now reporting a fraction of the cases that they used to at their peaks like delhi for example on most days in the last week reported less than 500 new cases of covid something that has not happened since may last year and pune which during its worst phase had been reporting close to 6000 cases a day 
is also finding only about 500 cases every day now. Similarly, the spread seems to have slowed down in Bangalore, Chennai and Mumbai as well. Though if we look at the top 10 cities with the maximum number of active cases, the list is now dominated by cities like Kerala. Six out of 10 cities on the list are from the state. The state itself has the highest number of active cases in the country right now, more than 62,000, or almost 25% of the country's active caseload. Scientists say that in many of the urban centres like Delhi, Mumbai or Pune, the disease prevalence or the proportion of population infected by the virus has already reached a level from where there will be a significant slowdown in further spread. There haven't been any recent serological surveys, so the extent of disease prevalence is not known. But it is possible that in some of these cities, 40-50% to of the population has already been infected. You were listening to Three Things by The Indian Express. Today's show was written and produced by me, Shashank Bhargav, and as always was edited and mixed by our producer, Joshua Thomas. If you like this show, then you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also recommend the show to someone you think will like it, share it with a friend or someone in your family. It's the best way for people to get to know about us. You can also tweet us at Express Audio and write to us at podcast at indianexpress.com. 